Next on BYU Sports Nation, BYU and Utah. The countdown is on. One day, 22 hours, 20 minutes, and exactly 40 seconds. The voice of the Cougars, Gregor Bell, is in studio to discuss why Utah doesn't make it four in a row. He is a man with the beard and a long, successful NFL career. Former Cougar and current Pittsburgh Steeler, Brett Kiesel, revisiting the BYU-Utah rivalry, the NFL and his role in the Dark Knight Rises. Plus, what are the Utes' plans to stop BYU's record-setting offense? Former Cougar and now Utah defensive coordinator Kalani Sataki tells us. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. It is Thursday, September 19th. I'm Jerem Jordan with Spencer Linton. We're less than two days away from BYU and Utah. We've got a fantastic show lined up today. Uh, it's Thursday. We've been talking BYU-Utah for a week and a half now. We've got a great guest lineup. Uh, excited to talk to Kalani Sataki, Gregor Bell. And you don't every day get to talk to the beard, or dub beard, Brett Kiesel. I mean, your chances of having a great show when a guy that has dub beard is on your radio show, it gets exponentially better. His street cred is so high with me because of Super Bowls, the beard, and all that. But when he was in The Dark Knight Rises, boom. Shot way up. He's got like a one-second hit in there. We'll ask him about that experience. It'll be fun. We've had a great week of rivalry radio, for that matter. Rivalry game heroes Johnny Harleen, John Beck, Brian Kill have all been on the show this week. That interview with John Beck was gold. It was incredible. Yesterday, you can listen to it right now. Uh, Well, don't listen to it right now. Wait until... (laughs) <laughs> oh, about 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain Time after today's show. Go back and listen to that John Beck interview if you haven't. Ridiculous stuff. I mean, good laughs, great knowledge, and some incredible insight into the 2006 BYU-Utah Classic. A friendly reminder, here's how you can listen to BYU Sports Nation. It's on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network 980. You can also catch the show, as Spencer mentioned, on demand every afternoon on YouTube.com slash Radio. That's how you listen, and this is how you join the conversation. Weigh in on, on the poll question on BYUTVSports.com, and tweet us what you think, at BYU Sports Nation. And today the question is... Oh, this is a beauty. Yeah. Bronco Mendenhall says he would like BYU to go back to the Royal Blue Unis. What does BYU Sports Nation say? Here's the following options. Bring back Royal Blue. We're talking permanently. Stay with what we have. Different jerseys every week, like Oregon. Anything but the bibs. <laughs> Weigh in on BYUTVSports.com. We already have some great tweets uh, just to get to... One of those, real quick, at Pioneer Loft. Yes, Royal is better. Okay, okay. Uh, whenever I think about the bibs, I think about the freight train, Rob Morris. Oh, yeah. In 1999. Uh, he was such a great fan, a great football player that that guy actually can kind of pull it off. No, not really anybody else, though. Uh, the bibs. Just Ugh. because of the freight train. When you, when you have a wooden whistle made for you and hand it to everyone in the stadium, <laughs> you're legit. Seriously. Uh, also, when the NCAA mandates that you change your uniforms, that gets a hashtag fail. 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 Weigh in right now, BYUTVSports.com. Would you bring back the Royal Blues permanently? What do you say, BYU Sports Nation? Or stay with what we have. Different jerseys every week like the Oregon Ducks. Anything but the bibs. I'm interested to see how much traction option D gets. <laughs> hey, rise and shout, my friends. It's time for what's trending. Topic one. Hold on to the ball, please. Our biggest issue 
uh, on defense right now is uh, our lack of takeaways. Now, pass coverage is a, is a close second, but we have not been able to, and particularly interceptions, we have not been able to get the ball turned over to our offense. Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham of the Utes again uh, talks about the role of turnovers in winning games. We'll get to the eye-popping numbers, and they are incredible during the Bronco Mendenhall era. But it's not hard to draw the conclusion, Jerem. The team that wins the turnover battle will probably win the game. Everyone's saying, thanks, Captain Obvious. But it might be that simple this year. Yeah, and Bronco Mendenhall, uh, Monday... Uh, the only opportunity to uh, address the media. Here's what he had to say about turnovers. Pretty easy when we're even or plus one, we win. If we're in a negative category, we don't. And there are other contributing factors, but I credit Utah for playing well and creating turnovers. Um, But if you had to say, what's the glaring thing? Um, But I think that's for any game that has a lot riding on it. Um, You have to be able to be mentally tough, handle the uh, emotion, and be execution sound to hold onto the ball. And these kind of games, six of the eight go down to the last play. Um, the ones that don't usually mean there's maybe 13 turnovers in two games, which that's hard to play well when that happens. 13 of the last 15 games between BYU and Utah have been decided by a touchdown or less. Thus, the observation by Bronco that it goes down to the last play. There's, there's some amazing numbers with this. The following stats are from 2005 to now in games between BYU and Utah. In other words, the Bronco Mendenhall era. In games against Utah, BYU's turned the ball over 22 times. Utah has done that eight times. Wow. You want to know how many fumbles BYU has recovered from Utah? I'm not talking about Utah fumbles and Utah recovers. I'm just talking about when the ball is turned over. Fumbles from Utah that BYU recovers since 2005 in eight games. One. One. One fumble recovered. That's unbelievable. When, When you compare the two, BYU nine interceptions, throwing interceptions. Utah, 7. But fumbles, it's 13-1. to BYU has coughed up the ball 13 times. Fumble, yeah, fumbled, yep. Uh, You can't do that. You you just cannot do that. And many, I I mean, 6 came in 2011. 5 interceptions came in 08. There have been some times, and those, I mean, those games were blowouts. The close ones, okay, now the close ones, that's where turnovers are huge. 05. Turnover margin, from BYU's perspective, negative one. You lose in overtime. 2006, neither team turned the ball over in that game. 2007, it's even. BYU wins. Uh, 2008, negative six. Max Hall had five picks, one fumble in that game. 2009, you're plus one. You win in overtime. A senior Max Hall against a sophomore Jordan win. 2010, negative one. That's a, BYU misses a field goal. Gets Close a field game. goal blocked. 2011, negative five. Blowout, 54-10. 2012, negative two, one fumble resulting in a touchdown. And in a close game that came down to a field goal, that happened three times, that was a huge play. That was a huge play. BYU's negative 14 in the turnover margin against Utah. BYU's only been positive one time in, in the last eight games. One time. Look, it's not to say that if you lose the turnover battle, you can't win the football game. And we reference the Texas game. BYU lost the turnover battle to Texas to nothing. Yet BYU still beat the Longhorns 40 to 21. So it's not it's impossible. It's only in close games. Yeah, it's not when impossible. When you do something extraordinary, it doesn't factor in as much. But when games are 13 and last 15 are decided by a touchdown or less, those turnovers mean a lot, especially if they result in points. 
like the the fumble from Jake Heaps to start the game against Utah in 2011. The that uh, is the play that must not ever be mentioned again. If we we made a top 50 plays over the summer. <laughs> If you did the worst 50 plays, that's probably number one. Seriously. <laughs> I've not seen a worse play than that. Like, wow, that just happened. Oh. Di- was the ball dipped in butter? Oh, it just, it's so painful. Was it? Because it looked like that. I just kept looking around like, I was right. What? I, yeah, I was on the sideline right in front of that. I thought, what? Hey, uh, uh, what uh, just do, happened? Do something. Kick it's something nothing you tell. What just happened? Ball. Do something. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Good luck to Jake Heaps at the University of Kansas. He's got his hands full there. Uh, getting back to things of more import, Jerem, in BYU-Utah. Again, we're, we throw out these statistics because at some point they do matter, and the turnover battle has been such a discrepancy uh, between BYU and Utah given those two debacles uh, in 2008 and 2011. BYU is so disciplined you can't. I can't envision a scenario where they turn the ball over seven times this year. I think they. I have, couldn't under the previous circumstances either. You bring that was up a touche. That was a junior Max Hall that had he had already won twenty games. You know, five interceptions. That was a, that was a Utah team that finished ranked second in the country. That was a really really good Utah team. But the twenty eleven game. Oh my gosh! What happened? Yeah. <laughs> Every that was the reverse uh, UCLA oh eight. If, the, if BYU can keep the turnover margin at minus one, even, or plus, obviously plus one. If BYU's be plus, I don't see a scenario where they don't win the game. Yeah. Unless Utah rushes for 550 yards. We need to ask Greg Rebell later the last time BYU won the turnover battle and lost a game against Utah. I wonder if he'll know something that obscure. He might. Off the top of his head, who knows? If he get his, gets his spreadsheets out, it's over, baby. <laughs> Let's move on to topic number two. The mighty Pac-12. There's an argument that uh, it may be from top to bottom the best conference. I mean, the SEC people will give you, you know, they'll they'll take uh, exception to that, I'm sure. But but uh, I think that you know when you look at all 12 teams top to bottom, there's been uh, exceptional improvement, and uh, particularly in the second six. I'm waiting for the delusional SEC fans uh, somewhere obscure and like Auburn, who happens to be uh, listening to this show, to to tweet in and and have a say about that. Hey. The Pac-12 comparative with the SEC, and you and I agree, the Pac-12 is a great conference. I think it's number two. It's a great conference. What would be number three? What would what would be just underneath the Pac-12? The Big Ten? Probably Big Ten. Big Ten's a pretty solid conference this year. And are we looking top to bottom, or you've got the best group of elite teams? Like your 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 upper upper echelon teams are solid. If we're looking at the whole conference. Yeah, there's there's no question the SEC wins both of those arguments. They've won the last what is it seven national titles. There's no question. You cannot argue against that. Like that's silly. It's who's number two, and the Pac-12. It's got a, every conference has its weak teams, including the SEC, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. Like these these aren't. They, they've had some pretty good years. They're going to bowl games and stuff, but you still have some weak teams in there. Wyoming beat Tennessee a few years back. In Knoxville. Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, Tennessee. Exactly. Tennessee is weak right now. Wyoming. But in the Pac-12, we're looking at, and, and Kyle, refer- Kyle Whittingham referenced that, Utah head coach. The, the bottom six have been improved. Arizona and Arizona State are at least competitive now. Um, the Pac-12, 
It's solid. It's a solid conference. It's solid. And we'll get to more of Kyle Whittingham's comments about Kyle Vannoy and Jamal Williams uh, here in a moment. Our next guest and first guest today played at BYU from 1997 to 2001. He was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the seventh round in 01 and has been in the Steel City since, including two Super Bowl victories in 06 and 2009. He is also the only BYU player in history from Grable, Wyoming. We welcome Brett Kiesel to BYU Sports Nation. Brett, first and foremost, where are you watching the Cougars and Utes this weekend? I'll be at my house. You know, we got a, I got some friends coming over. Uh, my uncle, my two uncles from Utah are coming out here for our game against Chicago. So uh, they want to get lined up and watch the game. It'll be a great game. How closely do you follow Cougar football these days, given your crazy, busy NFL life? I follow them very closely. I mean, thanks to Twitter. Uh, Twitter's pretty much changed everything. It's like, <laughs> you know, a constant news feed. But, um, you know... Not only that, but they got the ESPN contract, so I get to watch them a lot, which is great too. But um, it was awesome watching them against Texas, and you know we got some Texas boys here on our team, and it was fun to rub that in their face. <laughs> That's great. And your Twitter handle is bkiesel99, correct? That's correct. And uh, you're doing pretty well with the followers. Let's see, one hundred seven thousand followers, basically a <laughs> Michigan. Michigan Stadium worth of followers. How, fu- how much fun do you have with uh, Twitter, Brent? I, you know, honestly, I should probably tweet more. Um, I don't tweet that often, but um, if all your listeners follow me, I'll start tweeting more. How about that? <laughs> We're putting it out there right now. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, talking with Pittsburgh Steeler Brett Kiesel, former BYU Cougar as well. Brett, you were involved in some memorable rivalry showdowns, uh, namely the 98, the Connoisseur Clank in Salt Lake City, BYU wins 26-24. 2000, Lavelle's last miracle, BYU wins 34-27. And then 01, Doman to Staley uh, with Gennaro Guilford's interception to seal the deal. Do you have a favorite memory in the rivalry uh, amidst all of that? Yeah, it's probably, you know, Coach Edwards' last game. Um, that was a crazy year because he, you know, towards the latter part of the year, he basically – uh, just came in and was like, you you know, this is going to be my last year. And, you know, Coach Edwards was one of the big reasons I wanted to go to BYU, play for a great coach, but also uh, a great man. He was just amazing with the players. And, um, you know, really, if you know anything about my career at BYU, like I struggled early on. He could have easily just, you know, turned his back on me and let me go, you know, off into who knows where, but he didn't. He believed in me and and gave me that second chance, and um, really is a big reason why, you know, I've been a part of the Pittsburgh Steelers for the last 12 years. At what point did you realize I can become? And I don't know if this was a conscious effort or not, but if if I have a beard, I may be a brand. I may be bigger than a football player. You know, it was a fluke thing. It really was. Um, I decided to do something different that year and uh, not shave. You know, I hadn't remembered anyone really ever taking it to those type of lengths. And um, I just made a commitment that as long as we were winning games, I was going to let it go. And, uh, you know, even our team owner out here came up to me and was like, what are you doing? That looks, <laughs> that looks ridiculous. This is not, in, not with the honor code. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, 
I didn't have a beard card, you know, while I was at BYU, <laughs> which was unfortunate, or I would have known about this thing a long time ago. But um, we kept winning and ended up going all the way to the Super Bowl, and um, really it just became a whole uh, big thing after that. And, you know, that's when the Beard Nation was formed, and uh, it's been a lot of fun since. Been doing some head and shoulder stuff with Troy, and uh, you know we've got our own T-shirts at dubbeard.com. So it's been a lot of fun, and all of our stuff goes towards charities. So it's great. Brett Kiesel of the Pittsburgh Steelers, former BYU Cougar, talking with BYU Sports Nation. Brett, you brought up Troy Polamalu and and his uh, well-documented hair. Which gets more media attention in Pittsburgh, Troy's hair or your beard? Oh, that's, you know, that's a close call. Early on, I would have said Troy's hair for sure, but the beard is climbing in popularity out here. <laughs> uh, people uh, definitely respect it, and um, we just consider ourselves a nice one-two punch. Well, there are a bunch of parody accounts associated with your beard. What's the best joke you've heard about your beard? <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you know, you always hear the stuff where there's birds and things <laughs> nesting in my beard or squirrels or um, whatever. But uh, one lady, it was crazy. I was at a charity thing, and, and she's like, I want you to hold me like a baby and so I can put my head next to your beard. And I was just like, you need to get away from me. <laughs> like, that's really creepy. So you just, you know, everyone constantly says funny things, and um, that's that's part of the fun. I'm going to share with you some of my favorite tweets that have come over in the past 48 hours in just, in just a minute in regard to that infamous beard. But uh, let's get back to the BYU beat. You play with Hebron Fangupo. What has that been like having another BYU player in the locker room with you? It's been great. He's came a long ways. Um, you know, he's got a pretty interesting story, too. Um, people turned his back on him, and he ended up landing in BYU. And, you know, now he's in our locker room, made the team, fought hard, made the team, and actually beat out a, one of our fourth-round draft picks. So he's coming along. He's still got a long ways to go. But it's uh, always fun to have another, you know, BYU alumni in the building with us. Before it was Chris Hoke, you know, he was here with me for a long time. So we feel like, you know, we got the best group of guys from any college in our locker room here. So it's awesome. BYU Sports Nation chatting with uh, Pittsburgh Steeler Brett Kiesel. Brett, the BYU coaching staff visited Pittsburgh over the summer. Uh, were you there when they visited? And uh, I guess what did you share with them that maybe helped the defense? Yeah, they, I was here. Uh, it was awesome. They came out for OTAs, Coach Mendenhall and uh, Coach Kafusi and um, a few other guys, and it was great. Um, they've actually helped us, uh, believe it or not, with some of our video material. So they've kind of, you know, I think it was our way of kind of giving back and having them out here and kind of show them how we conduct our business and you know, maybe give them a few plays to call in that 3-4 defense that they run. And, um, you know, but it was great having them out here and um, slapping them around a little bit. <laughs> We're going to wrap things up pretty quick here, Brett. But uh, like I said, I wanted to read these to you and, and get your take. This cam, this, these all come on Twitter. First one, all other athlete beards cower before the power that is Brett Kiesel's beard. Number two. <laughs> Brett Kiesel's beard houses illegal aliens. <laughs> Number three, when I fall asleep and dream about my beard, it looks just like Brett Kiesel's of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Awesome. Dude. 
Oh, uh, yeah. That's nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I thought you'd like to hear those. Uh, also, really quickly, how was uh, playing a role in The Dark Knight Rises? It was awesome. Um, you know, having Thomas Toll, who is uh, the owner of Legendary Pictures, he's actually one of our owners, too, uh, allow us to go down and be a part of that. It was shot in Heinz Field. And, um, you know, be a part of that whole scene. It was amazing. You know, we got to go to kind of a premiere out here in Pittsburgh and feel like movie stars for a day. But I just wish, you know, my beard was a little bit longer in the video. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it was in its early stages. But, um, you know, it'll be cool to watch that movie 10, 20 years from now and be like, Look how young and handsome I was. Hey, Brett, I know you get, your beard gets a lot of attention, but you're a great football player as well, great representation of, of what BYU Cougar football is all about. You host the Chicago Bears this week. We wish you the best of luck in, uh, in those future games, and thanks so much for joining BYU Sports Nation. Hey, guys, I really appreciate it. I saw you were having Kalani on. Tell him yeah. hello. He's an old teammate of mine, but tell him BYU is going to smash his defense. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, Brett, did your character die in The Dark Knight Rises? Yeah, I got blown to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for the time, Brett. Good luck this week. Thanks, guys. We'll see ya. Brett Kiesel joining BYU Sports Nation. Representing. Oh. I appreciate him staying in the league and dominating and having a personality. And Mormon dudes can have beards. And, yeah, the, he's from Grable, Wyoming. That guy's tough. Absolutely. Steelers tough. lost on Monday Night Football, but yeah. he did have a, a, a nice game. He had a good night. A, John no, Gruden was getting into it, and his yeah. nose was getting crumpled talking about Brett Kiesel. Tell me about Spider YX31 Banana. <laughs> I love John Gruden. <laughs> Coming up on BYU Sports Nation, more of what's trending. Also, what Utah defensive coordinator Kalani Sataki says about Taysom Hill's passing ability, plus the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, is in studio. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation, on the home of the BYU Cougars, BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Saturday, we've got BYU and Utah covered. Pre-game on BYU Radio starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Pre-game on BYU TV starts at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The game's at 10.15 on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. Both BYU TV and BYU Radio have post-game coverage immediately following the game. We're going to have a late night. But I'm so looking forward to awesome. it. Yes. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Also join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. Kalani Sataki played for BYU in 1994 and 1997 to 2000 after his LDS mission. He's in his sixth season with the Utah coaching staff. He's the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. We welcome Kalani Sataki to BYU Sports Nation. Kalani, how's this week going for you? Doing well. I'm actually in my I'm actually in my ninth season. Oh, ninth season. Let's get that UtahUtes.com bio updated. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't really check the bio that much, so yeah, I just you know, but yeah, I've I've been here a long time, and and uh, it's it's rivalry week. It's it's a great. It's a little bit different because you're still not used to it being at the beginning of the year, but it's uh, we're excited about the game. Kalani, having played in it as a BYU Cougar and now coaching on the Utah Ute side, can you compare and contrast uh, the differences in that? Uh, it's it's crazy being on both sides, but uh, you know it, it's a uh, it's a great game and uh, just the crazy finishes on both sides. Uh, I've experienced them uh, as a player at BYU and here at Utah as a, as a coach, and uh, both on the on the on the win and the, and the loss side. So it's it's been. It's been a roller coaster, and it's it's one of those great rivalries where 
uh, it seems always come down to the to, to the end of the game, and and um, you know, ho- hopefully it won't be that it won't be get to that, but uh, I just don't see it happening any other way. It just it just seems to to go that that route. It seems like every year. I had an interesting experience Saturday because I thought, you know what, I want Utah to beat Oregon State. Um, as a BYU graduate and as an employee of BYU Broadcasting. And I thought, you know what, it'd be good to have Utah come in 3-0 and play. So once the game started, my true feelings came out, right? What are your true feelings regarding BYU's play? Um, obvi- not, not when you play BYU, of course, but when BYU's playing other games. Well, I, I, I'm, you know, that's my roots. I mean, I, I, I played there. Um, I have, you know, it, it's a little bit different. I, mean, I had an older brother that played at Utah when I was down at at BYU, my my younger brother played with me at BYU, and so uh, I'll never ever cheer against BYU. I don't think that's that's uh, in 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 how I'm built. I I also don't I don't wish bad things on other programs. You know, when when you're watching other teams, and I like I like I think I, I like to have a good football self-esteem and feel that I like to see Utah State have some success, and obviously BYU. You know, I I actually wouldn't have a problem with BYU going. Uh, winning every game except for one, you know, and then uh, maybe I'm selfish, but that's just, you know this is my job. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a I coach for the University of Utah, but the reason where I where I'm at right now is that I've met my wife at, at BYU. I made great friends, and, and uh, there's a lot of people that have been influential in my life at, at that school, and uh, I'll never ever, um, you know, just I'll never ever take away from what I've learned there and the great experiences I had and. Just the wonderful people that I've met in in, in that in that uh, in, on that campus, and you know I grew up a BYU fan, so it's 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 a uh, it, I, I don't I, I just I, I know who plays on the team, I, I follow the program, and and I wish them the best in every game except for the the one that we play them against, and and uh, you know that, that I think that's the way it's always going to be. Kalani Sataki joining BYU Sports Nation. He played for BYU in 1994, and between 97 and 2000, he is in his ninth season as uh, on the Utah coaching staff and the current defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. Kalani, you obviously have broken down 550 rushing yards from BYU against Texas. How do you scheme against a tandem like Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams? Well, that's it's a it's a tough task. Um, obviously, they. They were on point. They 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 were um, they looked really good against Texas, and uh, you know I give a lot of credit to Coach and I and his coaching staff. They did a, they get did a great job getting their guys prepared, and a lot of a lot of improvement happens from week one to week two, and obviously it worked for the Cougars. You know, for for us defensively, we have to um, now shift from uh, trying to defend the pass that we didn't do very well last week, and then focus on on the uh, the run game at BYU. But uh, the the thing that you also have to remember is that. Um, BYU played in some horrible conditions, so I don't think Taysom had the opportunity to, to throw in in a, a dry climate where you know the ball would travel a lot better than it does in uh, you know on, on a wet surface. So uh, I, I'm still not um, you know downplaying his role as a, as a passer because I, I know he's he's capable of doing that. The dangerous part is what they do on the ground right now, being able to give the ball to the the core of running backs that they have and. And then also, you know, him being able to create with his as a quarterback in the run game and in the throw game. And then you look at the the receivers; they have one of the best, um, you know, one of the best receivers in college football playing for them. So we have to be able to defend Hoffman, and uh, you can't, you know, you can't ignore the other guys that are there playing. I mean, they have a lot of great big body receivers that are capable of, of running some nice routes and blocking. So it's a tough task, and and uh, you know, we'll see what our defense is made up right right now. In the run game and in the pass game, but I'm not 
I'm not just going to, you know, just put it down to one thing in the run game. We got to be able to defend it all. Absolutely, and we've been talking about how uh, last week and this week, building up to this game, about how uh, BYU should expect Utah to make Taysom Hill pass the ball. How how much? And you address this, the conditions, and whatnot, but. Taysom Hill, it's in BYU fans' minds, has got to be able to pass the ball more effectively. Uh, and I imagine you guys respect him more than 33% completion rate that he's had this season thus far. Yeah, definitely. So it's like what I said before with the, with the weather conditions. I mean, you had two, you had two game delays, and you had uh, just a crazy downpour with rain. So um, I'm, I'm praying for rain this weekend, and I'm praying for 50-mile-an-hour <laughs> winds, and that's – uh, why, that, Kalani? Why? <laughs> Please, no, not again, not again. No, we, you know, it, it, it's uh, you. You uh, you have to honor the, your opponent. You have to respect the fact that he can throw the ball. I know, I know he can, and and, and you can't just sit there and ignore the receivers that he has. Um, you know, false eleven, and 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 Ross, and 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 um, obviously Cody. You know, that's you can't ignore those guys, and so I can't imagine that they're just going to keep. Um, not, I mean, I, I don't know how many catches Cody Hoffman has right now, but uh, he, he's he's a dangerous guy. So you got to be careful what you wish for. You make the guy throw the ball, and and uh, Hoffman's one of the better receivers I've ever seen as far as getting the ball. Uh, you know, um, playing deep routes and he runs great routes. And so, uh, like I said, it's it they're they're, they're a well balanced team. They just haven't shown it much because of the of the, the weather conditions, and that's that's the mindset we're taking into this game and defending, having to defend both. Kalani, you're a veteran of the BYU-Utah rivalry, both as a player and a coach. Do you have any favorite memories uh, in any of those circumstances that come to the top of your mind? Uh, there's, there's a lot. I just know that um, it, it's crazy, you know, being on both sides. Just, just I know the intensity that's built up in this game. But um, we know that that uh, more, most of the time it's all driven by the fans, the players, in fact, and, and being on both sides. There's not a lot of difference between the um, when I was at, with Lavelle down there at BYU and the type of players that we had there to, to the type of players we have right now as far as the kids and, and, and the type of people that love the game and, and uh, the toughness. So there's there's a lot of comparisons between the two. I know Coach Mendenhall does a great job with that with that program right now, and he has he has a lot of coaches on that staff that I know personally, and I, I know they do a great job as well. And so there's probably a lot lot of similarities between the two. And you look at the talent level, there's probably a lot of similarities in talent level as well. You look at uh, Ziggy getting drafted last year and Starr getting drafted in the first round. I mean, that's that's a, a comparison right there. And you look at Trevor Riley for us and, and, and Kyle Van Noy at BYU, and there's a lot of comparisons there. There's good athletes on both teams, and there's good coaches, and they're good programs. And, uh, you know, you've got the great fans on both sides of of, of, of the deal. And, and uh it only it only makes a recipe for one thing. That's a heated game. That's that's competitive. But at the same time, we definitely respect our opponents. You know, we have coaches on the staff that have graduated from there, from BYU, and and, and um, you know we're proud of where where our roots came from, and and, and we're just trying to spread the stuff that we learned from Lavelle and and on forward from from all the people that have been influential in my life, and I know Coach Roderick and also with Coach Whittingham. Kalani, you were in that 2000 game. Lavelle's last miracle, as they affectionately call it, where does that rank in terms of uh, your player memories uh, here at BYU? Well, it's huge. It's the last college game I played in, and um, being able to, you know, the the one thing that comes to mind is is that drive, that last drive, and and um, just blocking for Doman on that run, and then just, 
you know, as as a player, you just you live for moments like that. Even though my role was uh, not really uh, to carry the ball or, or be in the spotlight, is more just to, to do the dirty work and do some blocking. Uh, I can remember that play like it was yesterday, and then just being elated at the, at the, at the the outcome, you know. But um, more than anything, just the 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 poise and the just the calm of Lavelle, you know, just being there and, and just not really being stressed out. I've never seen the guy really get too nervous. And now that I'm a coach, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he he he's um you know he just sits there and just watches the game and he's under control and and I, my, my me myself I'm just uh, I'm I'm not that type of guy. But uh, it's 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 a huge relief on the sidelines when you see your coach uh, just you know hey just stick to the game plan and, and know what he's doing. And it's just been huge for for me, just those memories of being in that program and and the, you know feeling like it was a huge honor for me to take that field and represent that team and and the university and 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 it was a great honor for me and I I loved every moment of it. Well, Kalani Sataki, we appreciate the time and uh, we'll see you Saturday. I appreciate it, guys. Take Thanks, care. Kalani. Our thanks to Kalani Sataki, Utah defensive coordinator and former Cougar. Fun to hear him say, "I root for BYU every game but one per year." That's refreshing. You're you were a BYU guy. You are a BYU guy. You just happen to coach Utah right now. If he's rooting for BYU this week, <laughs> I, I imagine there would be a few people yeah, that, wearing red that would have that, a problem. That'd be silly. And it'd be it'd be weird to hear Steve Kavusi say that too, though. The Utah, BYU's defensive line coach who played at Utah, rooting for Utah. Uh, you root for Utah, but that's the same thing, you know. That that'd be fair. Yeah, we also have Aaron Roderick on the show tomorrow, a former BYU receiver and now coaching the receivers up on the hill in Salt Lake City. Up next, the voice of the Cougars and Canada's biggest Cougar fan, Greg Rebell, is in studio to tell us everything you need to know about BYU-Utah this Saturday. This is BYU Sports Nation. And now, back to more Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio with... Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan tonight on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The 11th-ranked women's soccer team looking to bounce back after a tough loss against UC Irvine. They host Oklahoma from the Big 12. Watch and listen live starting at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight on BYU TV Sports. Let's update the poll results on BYUTVSports.com. Bronco Mendenhall says he would like BYU to go back to the royal blue uniforms permanently. What does BYU Sports Nation say? The results, 65% bring back royal blue. 22% stay with what we have, followed by, it looks like, 10% different jerseys every week, and then 4% anything but the bibs. <laughs> now, Bronco made that statement uh, last night during the Coaches Show with Greg Rebell, and Greg joins us in studio right now in his 13th season as the voice of the Cougars for BYU football on the radio. And, Greg, you have the, you're privy to, uh, to big announcements like that. What was your initial reaction when Bronco said that he wanted to bring back the Royal Blues? With tradition, spirit, and honor on the back, right? <laughs> you mean last night when he said he'd like yeah. to see? Um, I, I've, I've already grown uh, to, to love the darker blue. So I like I like Royal as a throwback. I like Royal as a once in a while. But um, in, in terms of a color you had to wear every day or have the fan base really attach itself to, I, I've come around to the darker blue. So I'm kind of there. But I love having it show up again on, on occasions like uh, like the Utah game. The allure would go away yeah. if they wore it every week. Exactly. It would be easier to identify BYU fans in the stands because blue is such a a wide array, you know, color. But you're you're right. You'd lose the allure if you had royal blue. So that's part of the the 
the big game is that BYU is wearing the royal blues at home for the just the second time you know in history once BYU went away from it. But there's uh, this thing of losing three in a row and Kyle Van Noy. We don't like them. They don't like us, and that's okay. And if if and BYU's not playing for the next two years. The build-up to this game seems to be bigger than any we've had the last several years. I think so, because you have a, a, a senior class, and granted, there are missions and red shirts thrown in, and but but generally you have, a, you have a senior class that if they've played three years, they haven't won a game yet. And, and there's not been a senior class, you know, in some time leave without getting a win against Utah, you know, just let alone just one win. And uh, so I think that 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 adds to to the build up. Then when you when you throw in the fact that uh, you know any four game losing streak would fester for two more years, that's also an additional factor. Plus the fact that you're playing at home and it'll be the last time that home fans have a chance to see uh, Utah play for four years in this building. I think all of these things kind of uh, you know exponentially magnify the importance of the game and I I like the fact that from the get-go, no one's been afraid to just acknowledge it. And even Bronco noted last night on the coaches' show, um, he says, I've kind of taken the reins off the guys to say, you know, share your feelings on this. And you can be honest about it. And he said, mm-hmm. for, the most, for the most part, that's a good idea. Uh, and I think what you're seeing is guys are, are, are feel, feeling free to say, yeah, it's, it's the biggest game of my year. I, I've got to get this win kind of thing. And so um, I, I, I think it's only natural they would feel that way. The only change might be the, you know, the acknowledgement of it so readily. But uh, everyone knows the score, and everyone knows about the streak, and everyone knows just how much this means. <laughs> because, you know, th- they would go, I mean, how many years between wins, you know, uh, if, this, if this thing takes a break, of course, till the year, you know, 2000, a seven-year itch, I guess you'd say at that point. And uh, nobody wants that. There's been so much discussion about the bye week coming out the win against Texas. Do you buy into the fact that BYU will be rusty against Utah after a two-week layoff? I feel like I'm going to be. I mean, it, it, it feels like a long time since I've uh, since I've actually done something, uh, you know, relative to play by play. And and Bronco said that he felt it had been like a month off, you know, and and it has felt like a long time since BYU last. Uh, the Virginia game seems like six months ago. Uh, and and so and you know we all know that Bronco wasn't terribly pleased when the week started about how the guys came off it. But uh, you know, hopefully by the time you know tomorrow or and, and game day roll around, that intensity meter is back up to where it needs to be. But you know, it, it's you know, I think Robert made the uh, and I made the comment earlier in the week about you you can't play, you, know, you can't go the whole week with rage. I mean, there's got to be there's got to be a time to focus and 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 concentrate on your job and not let emotions you know take you away. And it seems like so many times, just the uh, the, the emotional. Uh, you know, impetus that, that takes you into this game takes maybe away from some of your execution. Um, neither team's been terribly clean relative to penalties in this game. In fact, Utah's been as penalized, I think, as BYU in the rivalry game in, in the Bronco era. But where Utah's been cleaner has been in those execution moments in terms of not putting the ball on the ground and not making the key mistakes that turn games around. I just don't seem to recall Utah having too many moments where you know a snap is wavered and results in a touchdown against or a big loss. Or I don't recall Utah you know giving up a, you know too many big special teams plays where I can seem to kind of rattle them off in my head the ones that go against. And so Bronco properly identifies uh, turnover margin and field position as the two key factors in this game. And those both relate to those execution moments and then um, those, those special teams plays that seem to have happened uh, you know, more in the Utes' favor than, than BYU in recent years. We're chatting with Greg Rubel, voice of the Cougars. Uh, and in reviewing uh, both uh, Utah-Oregon State and BYU-Texas yesterday, I don't think that the game that BYU and Utah are going to play will be remotely close to the games that they played uh, in their last game. BYU and Texas, that was a, a rushing performance we might not see ever again. And then you, Oregon State 
with Sean Mannion, his arm was so precise in that game. How do you see BYU-Utah playing out given the games we've seen them play this year? Well, you know, one of the biggest differences from the game Utah played last week to the game they'll play on Saturday was in Sean Mannion, you had a five-step, seven-step traditional pro-style quarterback. And and it was funny because I've seen so much zone read now in every game. I mean, it's not just BYU. and, and, and you, Everyone's doing it. You see so much zone read. You watch the entire Oregon State game without, you know, he's under center. There's no zone read. And you're like, well, this is this is unusual now. Now this is the unusual style. So they faced one type of quarterback. Um, and, and of course, you know, Utah favors man. They favor press. I, I'm curious to see um, if, if, the ga- if, if there's not more space to run for BYU just because of the way Utah does, you know, uh, traditionally play defense. Uh, it might be a little easier to pull defenders away from where you'd like them to be um, to open up gaps in the run game. And I think that I think that Taysom Hill, of course, brings an element that Sean Mannion simply did not, clearly. And and that, to me, is the biggest difference, I guess you'd say, just from, from you know, how the teams approach the game. Um, and, and, and Oregon State, I, I, th- I think, was, was just seemingly unable to get a stop in the second half. Every time Oregon State scored, Utah would bounce right back. Rarely would Oregon State go score and then stop. And and BYU is a defense that you know is just not giving up those kinds of numbers and hasn't in a long, long time. And so I I, I think that neither team goes into its next game having seen anything like you said close to what they saw in the previous. Now I will say um, that that BYU saw a pretty talented Texas team. They may not be cohesive and they've got some issues to resolve, but that's you know. T- Texas talent is pretty special. I mean, and then that program, they just kind of cast a net and, and, and pull in the best of the best. And so for, for BYU to do what it did against Texas, I think is actually a good sign. And while Utah's defensive front remains, I think, as stout as it's been, and I really like Trevor Riley, I don't know if the linebackers maybe are as, are as good top to bottom as they've been. And uh, maybe that's one area uh, BYU can look to possibly having an edge or two but not traditionally with, say, tight end, but uh, in other ways relative to Taysom Hill getting into that uh, that second level. Greg, you've covered the BYU-Utah rivalry for several years. I don't know if anybody has a better beat on it in, in terms of media coverage. What makes it unique compared to the other famous rivalries across the country? Um, I, I just think how much... Uh, how much passion the the two fan bases bring to the game, and and I think it's it would be disingenuous to say the players don't care as much as the fans. Um, they show it differently, but I think I, I think players from from both sides, um, you know, mirror that passion, and they're not able to frame it in the same way that fans do, obviously. But but you can you can tell, and I I brought this up to you know to JD last night. I mean, the famous photo of JD Falslev on on the field, on his knees at the end of last year's game. I mean that that's not I just lost a hard game that was my heart just got ripped out you know and and that's what this game brings and you know you only have to you know get on Twitter or or visit message boards to just see how much these two fan bases really uh you know have a a passionate fervent you know, dislike for the other school. It's just it is that way, and and I'm not saying that it's justifiable to 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 have you know personal feelings of hatred against anybody. But that's what this rivalry you know does bring about. We've got to beat these guys. You've got to win this game. We have to win this game. I can't take it if they don't lose this game. Those kinds of things. And and I for some reason it just seems to have a sharper edge than other traditional you know the game you want to get. Uh, rivalries have in this country and you know there are a lot of reasons for it that we're all pretty familiar with i think but uh, it's it's just been unique to me to see just how much um you know just pure 
uh, almost vitriol comes out. And, yeah. and, and, you know, when the game's over and, and you're on to your next game, I, th- I think it's good that there is a next game to play because you, you, you get to kind of then t- take a breath from that and then move on. But it's, uh, you know, for the week leading up to it and the days coming after it, it's, it's pretty intense. I would imagine J.D. has taken some motivation from seeing that photo, and, and we'll have that in the back of his mind come Saturday. And it's just, yeah, it's and, just one, of those real, one of those real moments, you know, and that's just, I, I think, that, that to me, that kind of encapsulated what, what this rivalry is for the you know, fans and players alike. Chatting with Greg Rubel, voice of the Cougars. Uh, when you look at Jamal Williams and the amount of carries he's had, uh, 63 in the first two games, second mm-hmm. in the country in, in rushing yards, he gets bent back against the Texas game. He... Apparently he's okay. All indications are okay. And even that night, even that night, Bronco was saying he was fine. Now after the game, of course, and the day after, sometimes different, you know, different perspectives. But um, and when the game was live, I didn't really. To me, it was just a pile, and I didn't see necessarily him getting bent back. It was only after the game that people started texting and tweeting, "What about Jamal? What about Jamal?" Mm-hmm. I hadn't even seen the replay to that point. Once I saw it, I thought, "Oh my goodness." Uh, he's he's going to be at least sore tomorrow and maybe worse. But uh, Bronco said right after that he was fine, and even Jamal, I guess, stayed you know stayed on the field and and interacted with fans and was seemingly okay. And then when he when he spoke at the press conference, I thought that was another good sign. Normally you'd be right off to you know to either the trainer or to the hospital or something if it was serious, and he wasn't. So uh, we can only assume that he's okay. But uh, you were making a point about the number of carries, thirty one and a half carries right. a game. Now now based on Robert and I's history. Okay, both both at BYU first go around and at Arizona, he favors a workhorse back. Okay, whether it was Curtis Brown, Harvey Yunga, Kadeem Carey, he's got a guy. Okay, and so even though BYU was deep at running back coming in, I I, I already suspected there's going to be a guy, and it's going to be Jamal. I thought 25 to 30 carries a game would be a reasonable expectation. He's obviously averaged more than that in the first two games. Part of that is a function of simple number of plays. You run 99 plays, that's a few more plays to get for your running back. I think mm-hmm. it's more about a percentage of carries. And so um, in, in his first go round, you saw you saw Robert and I having backs in 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 the 50 percent, 50 to 60 percent of the team's total carries, and the same thing with Kadeem Carey at Arizona. Arizona last year. So I think if you look at Jamal relative to the total team carries, I expect that number to be in that 50 to 60% range. You know, how many how many carries it means pure numbers may vary, but I think that'll be a, a decent expectation for Jamal to be in that 50 to 60% range kind of all season. He's the guy. One more quick question, Greg. Uh, again, Greg Rebell joining in BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here is talking with the voice of the Cougars. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about BYU's lack of a passing game. How much do you put on receivers dropping passes, and how much of that would you attribute to Taysom Hill just not finding his guy? I think that Taysom Hill's 33% number would be a lot closer to 50 if catchable balls had been caught. He hasn't been that bad. Um, but you know, even 50% is not an acceptable number. Uh, I, I think what you're seeing is something that Bronco has kind of elucidated recently, and that is the pass game has maybe received the least attention to this point. Now, that has probably changed considerably in the last two weeks. But Bronco said, with this new offense, you know, item number one was get everyone playing with the same intensity for the same amount of time. Get everyone together and not tapping out, as, as, as you know, Bronco Roberts said. So we've got to get these guys all playing intensely for the 99 or 78 plays on defense we're going to play every game. That was kind of item number one. After Virginia, we saw we had offensive line issues. Okay, so, so as coaches, they said, we've got to fix this. BYU then kind of retooled the offensive line. That became step number two, if you will. And that brought us to step number three, which was, let's get this run game producing like we know it can. It was okay against Virginia, actually pretty good, uh, historically speaking, relative to BYU. But let's get this thing really motoring. And they did, 550 against Texas. 
now it comes to the uh, the one thing lacking now is where's that pass game. And so that's kind of the next item on the to-do list, if you will, kind of checking them off. And, and Bronco said to this point, the pass game has been complimentary to the run game. And that's what BYU strength is right now. A lot of people don't want to hear that. But yes, this is a pass game that will complement the run game. Has to get better. Has to get more effective. Taysom has to be better with both his footwork, direction of, 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 of you know, just, just simple mechanics. When Taysom's on the run, at least to me it's appeared that that's when he's had the most difficulty being accurate, ball skip or ball sail when he's on the run. Um, and he's on the run a lot. So that's part of it. And Bronco says our key is to make sure he makes the plays, he makes the throws he's most comfortable in making. But uh, I, I think he's a fine pass. I think he's been a fine passer. He's 59% last year. I expected that to go up this year. I think he'll be good. Only two of 13 games in. A lot of room to improve on that number. But and, and he's got the guys to help him get there. I mean, there are enough receiving options. I think Cody Hoffman you know, remains kind of in my mind a bit of a question mark. You know, How ready is he to have a breakout game? Hamstrings are the. It seems to me like the worst injury you could have, um, just because are they ever really completely healed? You know when you when you play so frequently. And so I hope Cody bounces back. Two catches in two games, only one game played, of course. But I think he's got to be big against Utah. Um, I think BYU needs a lot of guys to play big against Utah. You can listen to Greg Rebell right here on BYU Radio. Kickoff, 8.15 Mountain Time, 10.15 Eastern Time. And I believe, Greg, your pregame show starts two hours before that. Is that right? Six, actually. Six. Two hours and 15 minutes this week. So we'll be on the air at 6 Mountain, 8 Eastern, which means we'll be getting off the air at around, uh, well, 4 in the morning Eastern Time on, <laughs> then, on Sunday. Then IHOP, yeah, right? Yeah, and then we'll be heading off to IHOP. Yeah, <laughs> Fantastic. you got it. Hey, coming up, how many minutes has it been since the women's soccer team scored a regulation goal? And who gets today's Rise and Shout? This is BYU Sports Nation. Now, here's the Cougar Whip Around. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station on BYU Radio. Jerem Jordan, Spencer Linton here. Let's whip it. Soccer. Tonight on BYU TV and BYU Radio, the 11th ranked women's soccer team hosts Oklahoma out of the Big 12. Watch and listen live at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. BYU has only scored one goal in the last 297 minutes, and it was a penalty kick. I think it's going to change tonight. Here's to a plethora of net finders tonight. Women's volleyball. After taking down previously undefeated Utah on Tuesday in Salt Lake City, the Cougars open West Coast Conference play by hosting second-ranked San Diego Friday night. Watch it and listen to it on BYU TV and BYU Radio at 9 p.m. Eastern time with Spencer Linton on the call. Hey, tomorrow, Brock Heward, former Washington quarterback, the Husky, will be here at BYU Radio. He's also going to be the analyst on ESPN2 for Saturday's game between BYU and Utah. Aaron Roderick, former BYU wide receiver and now Utah passing game coordinator. More great stuff during Rivalry Week. Final poll results. Bronco Mendenhall says he would like BYU to go back to the Royal Blue uniforms permanently. What does BYU Sports Nation say? 64% bring back Royal Blue, followed by stay with what we have then different jerseys every week, and then anything but the bibs. Uh, Really quickly, our rise and shout today goes to Brett Kiesel's beard. And we'll leave it at that. A dominating performance by the beard. Very quickly, Jerem, some comments from Twitter. Uh, On the uniforms, uh, on that question, at new 08001. Yes, we won the national championship in Royal Blue. Okay, and at Mitch Balholm, I love the Royal. We can keep the Navy ones for alternates. Would love to switch to Royal permanently. At Blue Cougar F-Ball, it was a mistake to ever change them in the first place. At Daniel Ryan Evans, yes, absolutely, yes. And then at Eldon underscore Barton, stick with Royal for special games once a year. Nobody wears Royal Blue clothing. Merchandise sales would tank. (laughs) (laughs) That's my take. Keep, Keep the allure. 
Big thanks to Brett Kiesel, Kalani Sataki, and Greg Rebell, everyone on our BYU Sports Nation crew. Check out archive episodes of the show on BYU Radio YouTube channel every afternoon. For Spencer Linton, I'm Jerem Jordan and the rest of our crew. Thanks for listening to BYU Sports Nation.